We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. What a win. Wasn't always pretty. Bit of a sloppy game at times. Not a lot of defense being played for a good chunk of it, but wow. The Lakers go to Cleveland shorthanded. No Rui Hachimura. No Jared Vanderbilt. No Gabe Vincent. No Cam Reddish. And the Lakers come away with the win despite the return of Donovan Mitchell for the Cavs impressive gutsy performance for the Lakers we've got a lot to break down from this one I am Trevor Lane you can find me over on x at Trevor underscore Lane as you can see it is a solo show tonight just me but as I always say it's never really just me it's me and all of you so welcome in to those of you coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from X. Going to take your questions and comments about the game. Tonight, we'll break down everything that we saw the Lakers just do against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, quick programming note. Uh, Sean Davis is out today. I don't recall exactly. I think maybe he's at a basketball tournament. Anyway, Sean Davis is out today, which means there will be no post-post-game show for this one. You'll just have me with Lakers Nation Live, and that is going to be it. So just a quick programming note there, but the post-post game show will be back next game. All right. So in this one, the Lakers, I mean, this was this was a game of scoring. Uh, this was a game of not a lot of defense, especially in the first half. The first half, whew, the Lakers 35 points in each quarter. The Cavs 40 and 31. The Lakers trailed by one at halftime. Then second half, stop, shots weren't falling as easily. Defense picked it up. And the Lakers finally come away with the win, 121 to 115. We'll certainly take that again. Lakers missing a number of players, uh, specifically their wings, which was a, a big problem coming in, but still managed to get the job done against the Cavs team. Now, we should mention that Darius Garland went out at halftime due to a neck issue. But here's the box score for the game. You had Torian Prince. I thought he was solid in this one. Had to play a lot of minutes, played 31 minutes. The Lakers, just an eight-man rotation, did not play the rookies, Max Lewis or Jalen Huchifino. Uh, so four boards, six assists for Torian. Did a really nice job with his drop-off passes in the paint. And two blocks for Torian. Just seven points, but he did a lot of the other stuff. LeBron James, the return to Cleveland, eight for 23. Did not shoot the way he would want. And one for nine from three. 
not ideal, but six boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks, 22 points on the night. Just not the efficiency that we would like to see from LeBron. Uh, Anthony Davis, what a bounce back. 13 for 20 shooting. Despite going up against the big front line, Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, LeBron, Anthony Davis. I mean, it's it's crazy at this point. You go up against Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, and you shoot, shoot 13 for 20. You go up against Domitas Sabonis, and you can't score. Crazy how that works. But AD, 13 rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. Really nice performance from him. 32 big points for Anthony Davis. 15 for Austin Reeves off the bench to go along with 10 assists. Uh, and five rebounds. He was tremendous. D'Angelo Russell, rough shooting night, four for 12, but two for six from three. All right, uh, five and five, and then with two steals, had a costly turnover late, 10 points. Was not a great D'Lo game, not a great D'Angelo Russell game. You know who did have a really nice game, though? It's Max Christie, the 20-year-old, who came in, played 33 minutes, five for seven shooting, two of four from deep, five boards, three assists, 12 points, and I thought I actually did a really good job on uh, did a really good job on the uh, uh, defending when he was going up against Donovan Mitchell. Not an easy, not an easy thing to do, but Max Christie whew, did a really nice job defending Donovan Mitchell. So credit to him stepping in, had to play a big role in this game again, 33 minutes. It was nice to see him do that. All right. Christian Wood, 13 points, all of them in the first half. Uh, didn't play a ton in the second half. Only played 16 minutes and change. Jackson Hayes got a decent amount of run in this one. 20 minutes, 10 points, and I think all 10 were on lobs, right? I mean, Jackson Hayes was just getting lobs all day, five for five, and they all came on lobs. So we certainly saw some highlights in this game, a lot of them courtesy of Jackson Hayes finishing at the rim. All right, let me get into some of your comments here. Let's go. Let's kick things off with Andrew Lee. Andrew says, AD dominant. Love the energy and decisiveness. Max, solid. Reeves, star in your role. Did anyone else see him box out? Jared Allen, yes. Andrew, I'm so glad you noticed that. In the third quarter, love Christian Wood and Hayes Impact too. Austin, on that box out, and that was just a great thing to notice in this game. Austin got low. Got his got his butt into Jared Allen and just started backpedaling and moved him. Moved Jared Allen out of the way so he could not get the rebound. It was a textbook the way you would teach junior high schoolers to box out and rebound a basketball. Austin Reeves did it, and it was an important moment where he did that. And frankly, we haven't seen enough of it. We haven't seen enough of that this season. The Lakers have been giving up way too many offensive rebounds. In this game, they did a pretty good job. Only seven offensive rebounds. For the Cavs, compared to nine for the Lakers, they won the offensive rebounding battle. Go figure. The team that gives up more second-chance points than any team in the NBA, the Lakers, won the offensive rebounding battle. You'll take that. And that was a nice moment there for Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis. Yes, absolutely dominant. And in fact, let's not, let's not mess around. Let's not beat around the bush here. Superstar of the night. Yeah, superstar of the night. It's AD. It's AD. There's no, there's no getting around it. There's no debate. There's no nothing. It's Anthony Davis. He's the superstar of the night. Nice, nice bounce back from him. Last game, we were talking about 
if you can really rely on AD to be that go-to score, I still don't think you can rely on him to be the consistent score. Now, if he starts running off a string of 30-point games, maybe that'll change. But you know what? It's nights like these that remind you how good he really is. I did think early in the game, we saw the Lakers actually commit a few turnovers, specifically D'Angelo Russell had three turnovers early, trying to force the ball to Anthony Davis. Clearly, that was a point of emphasis for the Lakers in this game, was to get Anthony Davis going early and often and trying to force the ball to AD. The Lakers turned it over a number of times. D'Lo had a few bad passes that turned into turnovers. Um, LeBron had a tough one after the Cavs had called timeout. The Cavs eventually came back and tied up the game despite the Lakers being up eight with 3.30 to play. Um, so there were some tough moments where the Lakers were trying to force the ball to AD, but even if it does get a little wonky at times, even if you do have a turnover here and there, as long as you don't go crazy, in general, getting AD more involved on offense is probably worth a few turnovers. It's probably worth, hey, we made a mistake trying to force a pass that wasn't quite there, and yeah, we paid the price for it, but big picture, you get AD the ball more often, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Face reality said, was oh, was at the game. That's right. Face reality was one of, there were a few people that were going to this game. Braun had several good strips, good win. Yeah, LeBron was doing a nice job knocking the ball away. He had one near the end on Evan Mobley where he knocked the ball out of Mobley's hands and off of his leg to force a turnover. It was really, really good to see. LeBron, again, did not have the kind of efficient night that he would want. Didn't, oh, we get one for nine. He's shooting over 40% from three on the season. Was one for nine from deep in this one. Not what he was hoping for in Cleveland, but he still was able to contribute. He still was able to contribute. Uh, good guy said, can we do Latrev and Sean Anthony Davis shows together again, please? Chemistry is off the charts. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. That is something we're discussing, trying to figure out ways to make it work. So we're, we are talking about it. Okay? We're, we're talking about it, and we'll see if that's ultimately a change. Again, Sean's not, Sean's not here today, but that is definitely a, a change that we're, we're trying to work through. Okay, it's, uh, it's a topic of discussion right now. Can't promise anything, but uh, it's a topic of discussion for the moment. Lake show equals best show. Can we ban injuries? Miss Vando, right? I mean, my goodness. No Jared Vanderbilt. He's still, uh, Darvin Ham told us before the game that he is, he's working two on two now and three on three in practice, trying to get built back up. Ideally, the final step would be to go five on five. So that's close. You're close. But when's he going to play five on five? Lakers aren't going to practice tomorrow. They're going to be traveling to Philly. So is he going to have an opportunity to play five on five? And if not, then does his return get delayed further? Or do you say, well, three on three is good enough and you put him in? I don't know. So Jared Vanderbilt, yeah, they do miss him. They miss his defense on the perimeter. I especially thought in the first half, the Lakers perimeter defense was getting shredded. The Cavs were getting anything they wanted. Anthony Davis was constantly having to come over and cut off a driving guard, and that was giving Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, easy shots at the rim. The guards, even if they weren't throwing the lob, all they had to do was get the ball up on the rim, and if AD was out of the paint, instant tip dunk for whoever it was that uh, AD had to leave. So that was a problem for the Lakers in the first half. It was their perimeter defense, and not having guys like Cam Reddish not having guys like Jared Vanderbilt. It was an issue in this game. It was an issue. And again, so glad that the Lakers managed to pull this thing off because again, defensively, I didn't think they played very well defensively. I thought they played well in the second half, especially late defensively. There were 
some problems still. They were giving up a lot of uh, baseline cuts for lob dunks. We saw that again. The Cavs had the job of getting AD to come and commit, and then they were just throwing that lob. So there were some issues, no question, but the defensive intensity at least picked up in the second half. The first half, they got torched. Thank goodness the Lakers shot 52% from the field. That, uh, that ultimately carried them to the win. And I wish we could ban injuries because, again, Rui out with a nasal fracture. He's going to miss the entire road trip. Should get reevaluated when the Lakers return. We're talking Friday. He should get reevaluated. My fingers are crossed. I hope he can go for Saturday's game against the Houston Rockets. Telly, please, said, I don't feel that annoyed at LeBron and AD getting hacked anymore until I go look at the Philly game and see Embiid getting 21 free throws. 21. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating when you see stuff like that. And then I thought, so here's, and I don't want to get into the master lock too early, but um, the, the challenge, the calves, the LeBron drives to the basket, three calves smack at the ball. LeBron puts the shot up, but can't get it into the basket, but he's going to go shoot free throws. There were like two minutes and change left. The calves challenge it. Was the contact terrible? No, but there was contact. And then, Evan Mobley's hand, right hand, is on LeBron's back. Gives him a little bit of a shove. Call overturned. Cavs ball. Fortunately, it didn't cost the Lakers the game. But even with... I guess this is this is the frustrating part. This is the frustrating part. Even with the benefit of all the high-def cameras, slow-motion replay, all the different angles, you still... You still just never know. You never know. It's like they say in the UFC, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Don't leave it in the hands of the refs. Like you just, you never know what's going to come back when you issue a coach's challenge, unless it is so blatantly obvious. Like it's an out of bounds call and clearly nobody else touched the ball except for one player and the refs just made the wrong call and you challenge that. Okay. But if there's any room for interpretation, you just never know what the refs are going to come back with. You just don't. Um, I thought last game, there was a challenged call that should not have gone the Lakers way that did. This game, that one was challenged and the Lakers came out on the, the short end of it. And I didn't think they should. You just don't know. All right. Let's go here. Ace of Hearts. Convinced? That Braun wants to lose games. WTF were those last three possessions. Hang on the rim and then a sidestep three when you haven't hit all night. <sighs> yeah, um, I, I wasn't thrilled with the sidestep three. I was saying over on playback, I was doing the play-by-play. -play, I was saying, you've got to get to the basket. Keep going to the basket. The Cavs are, you're in the bonus. So drive to the rim, even if, you don't get all the way to the rim. Put the Cavs in a position where they're they're making contact with you and they're fouling you. Get to the free throw line, right? Stay aggressive. Don't start falling in love with jumpers because we know what happens when you fall in love with jumpers. You miss. Your opponent gets in transition. It's the way the game can go south very, very quickly. Get to the rim. And then LeBron takes the, the sidestep three. I didn't like it. I hated the shot selection, especially on a night when at that point he was one for eight and he's one for nine. It's not like he was on a heater or anything like that. So I hated the shot selection there. It's not great. And we've seen him do that literally for years. We've been talking about this. 
especially late in games that a LeBron sidestep three is going to be the go-to and he just doesn't make them all that often in that situation. Now that said, he's also had some tremendous plays over the years and, and all of that. And you certainly take the good with the bad because there's a lot more good than there is bad, but that was a frustrating selection from LeBron and then hanging on the rim, you know, hanging on the rim has been, it's been one of my pet peeves this season. Not so much the guys are doing it, but that the way it's being officiated. I've We've seen, and this is not just Lakers, we've seen around the NBA multiple times now where players have been trying to protect themselves against crashing to the floor in horrific fashion. Like, oh my gosh, we saw Austin Reeves do in this game, not on a dunk, but still. We've seen guys try to protect themselves, not trying to showboat, not trying to show off, just trying to make sure they don't land either on someone or in horribly awkward fashion onto the court and risk injury, just trying to protect themselves. And we've seen guys doing that get called for technicals. Happened to Jackson Hayes a few weeks ago. That needs to go away. I'm not going to fault a player for trying to protect themselves. However, that does not apply to LeBron. LeBron did the pull up on the rim and he knew it. And it was a silly mistake for a dude who's been in the NBA for 21 years. You can't do that. Fortunately, again, it did not burn the Lakers, but that was a couple of mistakes. I thought the shot, and the pull-up on the rim, it made it a four-point game, was a five-point game, could have really hurt the Lakers, and it was a mistake. Both those, I thought, were mistakes. Now, we're going too far for saying convinced LeBron is trying to lose games. No, of course LeBron's not trying to lose games. He's a human being. He makes mistakes. That's what happened. He made a mistake. But they could have been costly. Thank goodness they weren't. Koa, with a great point here. Anyone amazed at how athletic Max is. Like, this dude gets off his feet quick when he dunks and always rebounds relentlessly with two hands. So poised, too. You know what? I'm just going to... Look, There's there are other players... I will say this. If we just look at production, there are other players that are maybe more deserving. But... Star in your role. That's right. That's right. We're going... Max Christie for star in your role. We're going Max Christie for star in your role. And the reason for that is because star in your role is all about who gets in there and performs their responsibility to the highest level. And you can say, look, Austin Reeves, there's no question. Austin Reeves was excellent tonight. Four for eight, six of six of the free throw line. Yes, he got burned defensively, but 15 points, 10 assists, Hit some big shots. Austin had a nice game. We can give Jackson Hayes credit for all the lob finishes. Having played more minutes than usual, 21. You can give him credit for sure. But Max Christie, think about this. A young man, he's 20 years old. Max Christie is 20 years old. And the Lakers get slammed with injuries and you're told, hey, Max, you're going to start. You told this last game. You're going to start. See Kyrie over there? Go defend him. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Now, now, it's we go to Cleveland. Hey, Max, we're still crazy hurt right now. Cam still can't go. Now, Rui's out too. You're going to have to play a bunch of minutes. Oh, oh, did I tell you? Donovan Mitchell decided he's back. He's missed the last four games. He's coming back. Go defend him. Go defend him. And Darius Garland takes some turns on him. 
That's difficult. That's not easy to defend those guys. Now, I would have to go back and look and see exactly how many possessions Max defended Donovan Mitchell. But he shot four for 18. Now, he got to the free throw line a ton. But Max played 33 minutes. 33 minutes in this game. He's a plus six on the night. Five boards, three assists. Had a couple of really nice passes where he just understood the flow of the possession and made the right read and the right pass that led to a bucket. A couple of little, little wraparound passes in the paint. Hit some really tough shots. Step back threes. Two for four from deep. Five for seven. Shot clock winding down. Hitting a fadeaway jumper, a 15-footer, which we saw a lot uh, in Summer League. I thought Max in this game showed a lot of the reason why the Lakers are still very high on him and what he can be. And as Koa mentioned, Max did a great, great job um, just being quick, getting up and finishing on that dunk. I didn't think that Max had quite that in him. I know he's pretty athletic, but I wasn't expecting a standstill two-hand dunk that beat the defense. Now, he went up so fast, he, nobody else could get to him to block the shot before he had the ball up and in the basket. He was excellent. Max was excellent in this one. Um, yes, as, as some people are mentioning, Damon mentioning, he got cooked by Kyrie, but he did play well against Mitchell tonight. Yeah, look, he got put in a tough spot in two games in a row, and I want to give Max credit for what he did. Now, he's honestly, on the season, if we take a look at the whole season, he's probably been a little underwhelming. But I'm hopeful that this is a sign maybe of, of things to come for him. And it's a sign more that People have been saying Max Christie is trash and all that. I think he's just young, right? That's been the, the talk of him so far. Um, I think he's just young, and that's going to create inconsistency in his game. But this game, I think, gave you a taste of what could be. I'm not expecting him to be this forever, every single game from here on out, but this gives you an idea of what he can be for this Lakers team at some point. Bomba mentality. How was Thanksgiving, Trevor? Thanksgiving was good. It was quiet. It was quiet, which was good. It's good. Uh, good win. Thank goodness the Lakers came to play. We've looked sluggish after Turkey in the past. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Go have that big Thanksgiving meal. Look a little sluggish, but I was glad. I think, I think being in Cleveland mattered in this one. LeBron coming back to Cleveland, that energy that was going to be from the crowd. I think that mattered. This is a difficult road trip for the Lakers. You've got the Cavs. You've got the 76ers next game. That's not going to be an easy one. My goodness, who's going to defend Tyrese Maxey? Come back, Cam Reddish, please. Um, then you have Detroit, but then second night of a back-to-back -back after Detroit, you've got OKC. That OKC game, I mean, second night of a back-to-back -back on the road that may wind up being a scheduled loss. So you got to win the Detroit game, and then we'll see what happens against Philly. But uh, not an easy road trip for the Lakers, so very glad to see them pick up this win. I was hoping the Lakers would split, go 2-2 two and two on the road trip, and this means in order to do that, you got to get the win in Detroit, and, you, and you've got it. So if you win in Philly, great. You're playing with house money at that point. Um, good guy. Said, thoughts on refs being too emotional. Two texts on Chris Paul in 30 seconds and one on Kerr. Then they ejected Malone and Jokic in the same game. Power abuse. So Keith Smith and I over on the front office show, which if you don't know about that show yet, you guys should definitely check it out. NBA front office show. Um, it's in the link or in the description of all of our videos. You can find the NBA front office show. Keith and I, we covered the entire NBA and we talked all about this situation with Chris Paul. And 
this is more than just a ref and a player thing. Chris Paul said after the game that it had something to do with his son and he didn't elaborate or give details. It was pretty vague, but said that, you know, they, they'd been talked to by the league and that they all sat down for a meeting and all like years ago and all this kind of stuff has happened. This is more than just anything that was taking place on the floor, whatever is going on um, with, with Chris Paul and, and that official. So that's, that's the thing, right? There, there's more going on here than just Chris Paul versus refs or refs are, you know, abusing power or whatever, right? <laughs> Kid Marine said, your love for Cam Reddish is a little ridiculous. He's not that good. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That picture, by the way, I'm drawing a blank on on her name for some reason, going back to my uh, Carrie. But she's it's part of the temperance movement. She used to use that axe to go around and chop up bottles of alcohol, essentially. But um, love for Cam Reddish is a little ridiculous. He's not that good. Look, over, overall, <laughs> Mama Mentality said he's the Cam DeLorean. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's the Cam DeLorean. It's, it is um, Carrie Nation. There it is. There it is. Thank you, chat. Do appreciate that. Do appreciate that. I was spacing. So Cam Reddish, is he great as an NBA player? Is he top 100 player? No. No, but what he does is very much needed by this Lakers team, particularly in a game like this, where suddenly, oh, you have to defend Donovan Mitchell. Oh, you have to defend Darius Garland. With Jared Vanderbilt out, Reddish may be the Lakers' best perimeter defender. So it's a skill set, and we saw it in the first half, how the Lakers' perimeter defenders were getting blown by. It's a skill set the Lakers badly need. Is he over? Is he an all-star no. Is he a lock to start on every single team? No, he's not. He's not. But there's a couple things. His defense is good. It's something the Lakers need. And he's a good story, right? He's washed out in all these other places. He's never lived up to his potential. This kind of feels like his last shot. And now he's doing it. 
And there were a lot of us, myself included, that had the bar set very, very low for Cam. It's always fun when you see guys that can exceed expectations, that can, especially when their backs are against the wall. It's part of what made Dwight coming back to the Lakers such a fun story, right? Because Dwight Howard at that point, when he came back to the Lakers in 2020 or 2019, after um, after Boogie Cousins tore his ACL, Dwight comes back. He was the villain after leaving for the Rockets in free agency. Within three games, he's the fan favorite. And he was the... He was about out of the league. Right? That, that's where Dwight was. He was about out of the league. If it didn't work with the Lakers... He was going to be done. And he did everything he needed to do. Set all the screens, rolled hard to the basket, blocked shots, rebounded the basketball, all the stuff that people knew he needed to do to transition into being a role player in the NBA, but it just had never done consistently. He did it for the Lakers, and they won a championship. It was a fun story. Seeing a guy who was looked like he was done, find a way to battle back and reinvigorate his NBA career. And he winds up hanging around for a few more years. Now, Cam's young. He's got a ways to go. But Cam Reddish, if he can do this, if he can bounce back, if he makes this a long-term thing, and I don't know what the, the future looks like here, but I, don't, I know he doesn't have that many more chances. Didn't work in Atlanta. Didn't work in New York. Didn't stick in Portland. If he takes advantage of this, though, back against the wall, and he turns himself into another comeback player, like Malik Monk was, right? Now up in Sacramento, got a big contract. What a cool story that would be. All right, Mario said, great win to start another road trip. AD was dominant, 100%, Mario, 100%. Koa Said, everyone kills AD when he plays average, so I'm going to make sure he gets his flowers when he wins games like this. Best player on the floor, both ends. Yeah, he was excellent. Anthony Davis was excellent in this game. It's great to see. It was a reminder of how good he can really be. But this is games like this are also why Anthony Davis gets so many people frustrated. Because you see him do this, and you go, cool, this is what we should be having every night, right? And then he'll go and score 10 points. You see a guy who can be this dominant and this good. And like you say, best player on the floor. And then the next night, he's not. And again, some of that can be teammates not getting in the ball in the right spots. Some of that can be coaching staff not scheming up touches. Some of it's AD, not just getting the ball, right? Sealing his man effectively and, and, and getting the ball and, and going. There's plenty of blame to go around. But it's nights like these that are, number one, a reminder of how good Anthony Davis is, but also part of the reason why people get so frustrated when he's not this good, because we all see that he can do this, and so then this becomes the expectation. We all know the ceiling is so high for him. So when he has a well-below-that-ceiling game, people are, get frustrated. Mitch Thompson said, AD Masterclass, Master Lock LeBron. Okay, Master Lock LeBron, because LeBron had a, a poor shooting night. Good guy. You know what? I Maybe I'd repress this. Said Max Airball 3 was rough. My man's trying too hard. That was rough. 
that was rough. Uh, that was indeed. It was a critical moment. He got a. It was his most open look of the night. And Max airballed the three. Airballed. But I will say this: he shot five for seven on the night and two of four from three. With those percentages, I'll forgive him if one of his two misses all game was an airball. I'll forgive him for that. Jay Jordan said, I love Braun, but that late shot kills me. It's a one out of 10 shot and it's not the play. I'd live with a drive or an AD post up, but not the step back. Take the win. Yeah, that, that sums it up very nicely. I, uh, I agree, especially because it was a, a sidestep to his right, which naturally, so if he's, if he's a right-handed shooter and he's sidestepping to his left, just your, your, it is much easier to square your body in that scenario. If you're stepping into your strong hand, it becomes much more difficult to square your body. Now, I thought he did a pretty good job getting himself square, but the level of difficulty of that shot is through the roof. Now, I know he's LeBron, and in LeBron's mind, he's got to be thinking, there's nothing I can't do. Why? Because for most of his life on the basketball floor, there has been nothing he can't do. He's been able to do everything. But I think that was it was not the shot that you wanted to see in that moment. It's not the shot you wanted to see. And I agree. I would have rather seen him drive. would rather have seen AD get involved, run a little high pick and roll, run something there. But we got the sidestep three, unfortunately. Hopefully that's not what we see next time. Heckless said, so take these broken wings. Thank Kobe for Max. And Max, it's, it's, it's a little spooky. You do the thing where you block off you know, the just to see the lower portion of Max Christie's face and how like his jawline, everything is so Kobe-esque. It's interesting. Uh, oh, this one said, thankful for Lakers commentators. Listen to Cavs bias. So you listened to the you listen to the Cavs studio team. You listen to the Cavs play-by-play. That's always an experience. And I I usually do come away from listening to opposing teams commentating crews feeling more appreciative of the Lakers commentating crew uh, of Billy Mack and Stu. Now that said, they're supposed to be catering to their fan base. So you're going to hear them say things that you just naturally are going to disagree with and going to not like. And so it, it's going to create friction between you and that opposing commentating crew. But nonetheless, there are some rough ones. There, there are some that are more difficult to listen to than others. Part of the reason why, you know, just part of it, but I'm still, I'm glad that we do playback and I wind up doing kind of my own play-by-play for it. <laughs> Good guy. Said, Trev, in school, we ignored teachers. Today, we watched them willingly breaking down Lakers game. You're a legend, bro. Keep up the great work. Always here. But thank you. Good guy. Living up to your name. I, I, I do appreciate that. Certainly. Um, I hope I didn't get ignored when I was a teacher. I'm sure there were times when I did, but uh, I do appreciate all of you being here. Certainly talked about it before Thanksgiving. We're all so thankful. Again, we, we don't get to do this without you guys. So very thankful for all of you being here. And thank you for not ignoring this teacher. Uh, Davion Nelson. Oh, we're throwing out a trade here. Oh my goodness. Four team trade. I got to put on my thinking cap with this one. D'Lo, Levine, Drummond to Miami. Okay. DeMar, Hero, Bryant. 
So our old friend Thomas Bryant to Golden State. Okay. Lowry, Wiggins, Chris Paul, Kaminga, Gabe, five firsts and three seconds to Chicago? Whoa. Okay. Alex Caruso and Vucevic to the Lakers. Then sign Chris Paul after he gets bought out by Chicago. How, where are those first coming from? Five firsts and three seconds. And Chicago's giving up, they're giving up all their guys. Levine, Vucevic, Caruso, DeRozan. Wow. I'm, honestly, I'll, I'll just say this. Without even, I would have to like seriously list the whole thing out and really get into, try to get into value and all that kind of stuff. And there's too much going on here. There's just too many pieces in this trade. And especially with four teams together, somebody would have an issue with some part of it and it would, it would fall apart. Like it may even work on paper. I don't know. I'd have to do the math and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think there's too many pieces here that too many teams would have differences in terms of valuation to, to get something like this done. It's impressive. You were able to put all this together, but the bottom line is uh, for the Lakers, I guess let's just look at that part of it. It's, and I, I don't know where the first are coming from. So it's D'Lo. It's um, Gabe Vincent. D'Lo and Gabe Vincent and the Lakers are getting Caruso and Vucevic. I'd assume it's somehow winding up with Chris Paul too on the buyout. I mean, on the, on the surface, if you can get that, yeah, you, you probably do that, right? I don't know that Vucevic is the best fit on the Lakers or not. If you really want to get another big, is that where you're prioritizing things? But value-wise, sure. But it depends on how many of those picks are Lakers picks, and they don't even have that many picks to give. So, but man, that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of work to put that trade together, though. I'll give you that. A lot of pieces in there. Notorious MOE, is it safe to say at this point that the Lakers' identity is no matter how the first quarter, three, first three quarters go, they are strong closers in every game? I don't know. Um, they are they're strong. They're strong in that they don't give up. They don't quit on games. I, I should say they that makes it sound like they're playing with full effort throughout the whole game, though, which is not true because we've seen this Lakers team try to kick it in in the fourth quarter in games where we don't see them going 100% for three quarters. But I, I the last couple of minutes, we've seen the Lakers be fairly sloppy. Like, again, this one, 3.30-ish to play, and they had an eight-point lead. And with two-something to play, it was a tie game. So, and then against Dallas, they took a lead and then wound up losing the game on a couple of silly mistakes. They have a strong closing kick, but they also are prone to mistakes inside of like three minutes left in the fourth. And sometimes that can be their undoing. So I don't know if they're, they're, they're they have a strong fourth quarter, but I don't fully trust them in crunch time yet. Let's say that. Jordan, getting a win on a LeBron down game needs to be celebrated. I mean, for sure, right? LeBron didn't have a good shooting night and the Lakers still got the win. Shot 52% from the field. That certainly helps. 18 to 21 from the free throw line. 86% from the free throw line. The Lakers have not been a good free throw shooting team. So they're shooting. Carried the day for them today. 18 turnovers. That's not great. They cleaned up the offensive glass. So you'll take that. 
But 18 turnovers, 33% from three, which is eh, just okay. But their overall shooting from the field was so good and their free throw shooting was so good that it carried them to a win. And I didn't think their defense was great. I thought they picked things up with intensity late, but they had some rough moments defensively as well. Austin Reeves, Gabriel says, Austin Reeves passing has been so much better these past few games, even with the ball pressure. Really good max game too. Yeah, you know, you had to wonder, would, would Austin ultimately figure things out in terms of the ball pressure that's getting put on him, forcing him into turnovers, all of that? Would that eventually, eventually come around? And hopefully it is. Hopefully that's what we're seeing happen right now. Uh, Darvin Ham after the game praised Max Christie. I'm just looking through some of the post-game stuff. Uh, credited Anthony Davis was crediting his teammates for hitting shots, which is something that he criticized them for after last game. So giving uh, credit where credit was due. That's Anthony Davis there. Andrew said, great win, guys. It definitely makes it worthwhile st- staying up late for this LFG. Well, Andrew, thank you for, for staying up late with us. I don't know what time it is, where where you're at, but do appreciate that. I know one of the great things about Lakers Nation um, about this is how many fans we have coming in from all over the world, all these different parts of the world. So very cool to have people coming in from overseas that are staying up late, that are watching these games, that are hanging out with us, that are celebrating wins with us, that are commiserating losses. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Not just we're not just watching the games. We're getting to we're getting to do it together. Then we get to talk about it together. We get to break it all down. We get to process all of it together. That's what it is. All right, let's do this. Let's do our favorite segment. Let's do the master lock. And remember, if you're new, the way this works is we take whatever was the most annoying thing from this game and we put it into our good buddy Chris the Masterpiece Masters finishing hold. The master lock. It's our way to vent a little bit here. So let's get to a chat. Start firing them off. What would you put in the master lock from this game? Master lock of the night. Master lock of the night. Oh boy. The comments are flying in. The overturned calls. Uh, LeBron's three. That challenge. The referees, a lot of people saying referees, Gary Gutierrez, who, by the way, is a channel member. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, you can check, click that join button. You can see the perks that we offer for channel members. There will be a bonus video coming out tomorrow for all channel members, whether you're on the superstar or on the, the starter or all-star tier. Maybe we'll do a superstar tier in the future, but the starter and all-star tier will be getting a bonus video tomorrow. That's going to be coming out. Um, there's some really cool perks. Uh, they, they come out to our channel members, so make sure you guys click that join button and check it out. But Gary says the refs. Uh, some people are mass saying Master Lock Davion for his four-team trade. I thought it was pretty creative. And that was pretty creative to come up with a four-team trade. That's not easy. That's not easy. Uh, Bob mentality. Oh, Master Lock LeBron getting in, getting hit in the head. Yeah, they made him bleed his own blood. Right, he was bleeding on on the floor there in Cleveland. Not, uh, it's not good. Master lock turnovers. The Lakers did have eighteen.
David said master log Dylan Brooks. Even though he wasn't in this game, he just he always gets gets master locked. Oh no. Oh no. People are saying Josh Giddy. I'm not gonna get into that. LeBron's threes, 70 points in the half, giving up 71 points in a half. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the challenge. Master lock in the challenge because again, that was the for me personally, and you guys all have some some great, great points. But mine, I'm gonna go with that challenge because I still and look, I I, I tell everybody I view every game through purple and gold lenses. By no means am I unbiased, but sometimes we go into these challenges and you see something happen and you think, oh, clearly this is the call, and then it goes the other way, you just, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in being able to predict which way a challenge is going to go. And isn't that the whole point? Like once you slow it down and get all these angles, you should be able to see exactly what it is that happened. And yet so often, whether it's for the Lakers or against the Lakers, you go in, you see something and the call still goes the other way. Now, sometimes maybe we misinterpret the rules or something like that, but nonetheless, it's, it's surprising how often a call gets challenged and it does not go the way that you would expect it to go despite being able to slow it down. All the different angles, high def, all of this stuff and still feel like you get the call wrong. So, yeah. And yes, Alexander, that was a reference from the movie Dodgeball. They made him, made him bleed his own blood. That's for sure. And this is another good one. Carl Drago said, master lock technical calls for hanging on the rim. Most garbage rule. I get it. Look, if a guy's going and doing a bunch of pull-ups or something. But, you know, the point I made to Keith the other day when we were talking about it again on the front office show. I said, here's the thing, though. Let's say, what would happen if you just completely got rid of that rule? What if you just completely got rid of that rule? And you now made it legal to hang on the rim. What's the worst thing that would happen? You know what would wind up happening? It wouldn't last. And I don't mean it wouldn't last like the rule would come back. Guys wouldn't do it. You know why? You see how many times the Cavs raced down the floor after the Lakers made a layup? See how many times that happened? The Lakers would score... And the Cavs, because the guy scoring, his momentum carried him out of bounds, right? The Cavs would be down the court and they'd have a five on four, or at the very least, they'd have some mismatches in transition. That's today's NBA. Even if you get scored on, you grab the ball and you go. So what's going to happen if a guy takes an extra second, two seconds, to showboat on the rim? That guy's team's going to get pissed at him. That's what's going to happen because they're going to get scored on going the other way. You go, you dunk a ball, you go and you do a bunch of pull-ups on the rim or something like that, more often than not, you're going to get scored on. I think that rule would police itself. Now, if it didn't work out that way and teams weren't being punished going the other way and something, somehow, that was not a factor at all, I get it. You don't want guys doing a bunch of pull-ups on the rim and showboating and all that kind of stuff. Right? I get it. But I really think if you just said, go nuts. Do whatever you want. Do pull-ups on the rim if you want. Teams are going to get scored on. 
it's going to take a couple of weeks and guys will figure out, damn, every time I do pull-ups on the rim, my teammates are mad at me because we're getting scored on going the other way. And that would probably be the end of it. That's what I think would happen. All right, let's get to a few more of these. Patrick, can we agree AD is a top five player when he's dialed in? Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's part of the reason why, again, people get frustrated when he's not. And when we say dialed in, when he's really engaged on the offensive end, and I don't, you know, again, it's not all on Anthony Davis. Some of it's on the schemes. Some of it's on players not being able to give him a good entry pass. He's not a guard. It's not like he brings the ball up or anything like that. And he doesn't want to attack from behind the three-point line. He, he needs to be fed the ball. And the players getting him the ball don't always do a great job of that. So again, there's multiple facets here that we can place blame on, right? There's multiple places to put this blame. But when AD is, does have it going, when AD is engaged, He's already, I think, probably the best defensive player in the league. And then you add in his offensive skills when he's got it going. Yeah, no question, top five. Maurice, LeBron looked different after that hit to the nose. Looks like he was frustrated with a lot of no calls when he was driving. Yeah, he was. But also, this is nothing new. LeBron gets hit a lot. He gets hit a lot every game. And doesn't seem to get those superstar calls that Lakers haters seem to believe that he still gets just tells you they're not watching Lakers games. Um, LeBron does not get to the free throw line nearly as much as he should. It's the Shaq effect where he's big, he's strong players bounce off of him. And so he doesn't get calls that, that he probably should, that if he were much smaller, he would easily get. It's unfortunate. We see it happen every single year. PJ, when AD plays this way, we look pretty unstoppable. Eh, I wouldn't go that far. Their defense looked, Pretty bad in that first half. We have some inconsistent role players, though. How do you feel about this roster moving forward? I don't know. And that's I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I don't know. I don't know. what, Like, what is this team? Can we know? I feel like we haven't seen this team yet. The Lakers have yet to have a full team. In fact, what is this? I, I Off the top of my head, I want to say this is game four or game five where the Lakers have had an eight-man rotation due to so many injuries. Now, you can say, well, that's, you know, the Lakers are choosing that. They're choosing to not play their rookies. You could have a 10-man rotation and play Max Lewis and Jalen Ochefino. Well, the Lakers want to win games, right? That's So they go with an eight-man rotation. But this is, again, four or five games, I think, that the Lakers have had an eight-man rotation. And we're, again, we're early in the season. So four or five games of an eight-man rotation when you've played, what is it now, 17 games. That's a lot. That's a lot. This team has been so injured. We, we Last time we saw Jared Vanderbilt was game one of preseason, and he was supposed to be a big part of your rotation, maybe a starter. And we haven't seen him in going on two months. I don't know how to feel about this roster moving forward because I don't know exactly what this team is when they're fully healthy. I don't know what that looks like just yet. And that's why I can say, thank goodness the trade deadline isn't tomorrow. Thank goodness the trade deadline is February 8th. Because by then, hopefully, fingers crossed, guys get healthy and we have a better sense of exactly what this team is and isn't and what areas they need help in. 
Gabe Vincent played four games and we haven't seen him since. He gets reevaluated, I think, in about a week, probably when Rui gets reevaluated. So they've been they've been missing so many key pieces. It's hard to say what this is or isn't. Ricky said Mitchell came back and was expecting to go off in the Lakers. 22 points on four field goals. Also only gave up seven offensive boards. Much improvement. Yeah, it was great to see. Great to see the Lakers clean up the glass because that was such a big, big problem. Again, it's, it's two things. It's not just one thing. It's two things. The Lakers, number one, they give up more second chance points than any team in the league. Dead last. And that is, a lot of that is the offensive class. The second piece, though, they score less points on second chance opportunities than any other team in the league. So that is a big gap, right? You're giving up tons of second chance points and you're not scoring any. That's a problem. And it's a problem the Lakers have to fix. Now, that doesn't mean that they completely abandoned their plan. The reason why they don't score many second chance points or get many offensive rebounds in general is because they don't crash the offensive glass. They make the strategic decision. Yes, it's going to hurt us in our ch second chance scoring opportunities, but we're going to send guys back. We're not going to send them to the glass. We're going to send them back. And in that way, we're going to limit transition opportunities for our opponents. And last I looked, they were like sixth in transition defense which is a big, big improvement from last year. So it's a choice the Lakers are making. But still, but still, they need to show improvement on their own defensive glass. And it was good to see that change in this one where the Cavs didn't just feast on the glass all game and crush the Lakers there. Because that has happened a number of times. Brandon said, if AD can just be consistent game to game, uh, we would be good. Like Gil said, he's on and off every other game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly every other game, but he has enough stinkers on the offensive end that it leaves people frustrated and you don't know what to expect to him game from, from game to game. Like what's going to happen day after tomorrow when he goes up against Embiid? I, I legitimately don't know. Anthony Davis could go off and go for 30 again. Or he could have like nine points or whatever. And it could go either way. And we just, you just don't know. I know LeBron is probably going to score 20 points. Even Look, LeBron had a terrible shooting night tonight. What did he finish with? 22 points. Didn't shoot efficiently. Had some turnovers. Didn't have a great night by his standard. 22 points. Anthony Davis, you just don't know. You don't know what you you know. You know, you know. Defensively, he's going to be great, but offensively, you don't know. Re, the Lakers won't be getting any practices this week with their schedule. Yeah, so the schedule is they're off. They're you know travel tomorrow, or they may be traveling tonight actually uh, to Philly. No game tomorrow. Then they play Monday against Philly. Then no game. You're going to travel to uh, Detroit. Then they play Wednesday against Detroit. Then they travel overnight after their game against Detroit and play Thursday against the Thunder. So second night of a back-to-back -back on the road. I don't know how the guys do it. I know their planes are not commercial planes. Personally, I can't sleep on planes. 
Um, it's it's not fun if I have to take a red eye. It's not not a great experience. And these guys, and again, it's not a commercial flight, but still, these guys go play an NBA game. It ends at local time, what, 10.30, something like that? 10? They go, they shower, they talk to media, they get on the bus, it takes them to the airport, take off around what? Midnight? 1 a.m.? Fly for a few hours, get to your next city, it's 4 a.m., get to your hotel, somewhere between 4 and 5, you go to sleep. And 12 hours later, you have to play another NBA game. That's so different. I mean, I, I don't know how they pull that off. And they've done it for years, so obviously it, it works. And again, these guys probably get used to sleeping on planes better than I could. But it's not easy. It's not easy. So second night of back-to-back on the road, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And yeah, there's not going to be time for practices. There's not going to be time for practices. So what happens with Jared Vanderbilt? Now, sometimes, and this is something that's important to note, just because a team doesn't practice, that doesn't mean that a player can't get in a scrimmage. Because often what happens is the guys who aren't playing, they scrimmage against each other. So, for example, JHS, Max Lewis, Jared Vanderbilt, the two-way guys, right? Colin Castleton, Des Moines Hodge, right? Those guys, Alex Fudge, they're going to scrimmage with each other. And so those guys will go and get work in, even if the team doesn't have an official practice. So that's one thing that could happen. That could mitigate not having an official practice session, just having a shoot around or something. But these other guys can get in their scrimmage, and maybe that's enough to clear Vanderbilt to get him back. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, let's do one more. Dante said, D'Lo turns the ball over too much for a starting NBA point guard. We should trade for a guy like Tyus Jones who protects the ball and can give the three. You know, I I thought D'Lo, I kind of forgave him for some of his turnovers early. I know that was frustrating to see. He did have that bad uh, turnover where uh, the ball just kind of like went off his hand and out of bounds. And he said it got hit, but the refs gave it to the Cavs. That was a bad turnover in crunch time. But he had three turnovers right off the bat, D'Lo did. And I kind of forgave him for those because it was pretty clear the Lakers, to start the game, the game plan was, let's get AD going. And those three early turnovers were all trying to get the ball to Anthony Davis. They were trying to get the ball to AD. He made a couple of pocket passes and things that maybe say AD should have caught it. Maybe D'Lo's pass was a little bit off or whatever, but he was trying to force a couple of passes, clearly which was part of the game plan for the team. So he's kind of following coach's orders, right? Like, you don't make that pass and it looks for a second like it's open and you know it's what they want. They want this pass to go to AD and you don't make that pass. You're probably hearing about it. So I understood D'Lo maybe forcing a couple of passes that he shouldn't when he was trying to get Anthony Davis involved. And I do think that getting AD involved is enough of a, of a benefit, big picture, that it's probably worth a couple of turnovers if that's what it takes to ultimately get him in, into the game. So, D'Angelo Russell, turnovers, have they been a problem? No, probably not. Uh, I don't think they've been that bad this season. I think he's been better with the ball. Were there some bad ones this game? Yes, but there's also reason behind them. All right. 
a win is a win. You know, and it was an exciting game. Wasn't an easy game. But the Lakers got the job done. And on the road, you will absolutely take it. In the West, you got to get them. Not easy to get wins. And in the Western Conference, everything's going to be really, really compact. In fact, before I sign off here, quick peek at the standings. The Lakers currently, with this win, sitting in seventh. Uh, they are they are tied in terms of games back with the Sacramento Kings, but the Kings have a slightly higher winning percentage because they have played two less games than the Lakers have. But the Lakers currently 10-7. and seven, sitting in the seventh seed, which would make them a play-in team. They're a play-in team with a 58% win rate. So they are above 500 team. That's going to be the West. The West is not going to be an easy conference. I do believe that we're going to see a number of teams above 500 when the dust settles. We may even see an above 500 team not even make the play-in in the Western Conference. I do think that is possible. But the Lakers currently sitting in seventh with that win, just two games back of the one seed right now. I think the West throughout the season is going to be extremely compact, just like last year. I think that we're going to see teams able to make moves up and down the standings considerably with any kind of winning or losing streak. So important that the Lakers rack up all the wins they can right now. But let's call it on that. Thank you guys all for joining me here for the Lakers Nation live show. Uh, make sure if you haven't done so yet, you are subscribing to the YouTube channel. And uh, you guys can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram threads at Trevor Lane NBA. Thanks again, everybody, for joining. Go check out the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time. Oh, by the way, sorry, before I forget, last thing, any super chats I didn't get to, we'll put on tomorrow's show. Sean Davis and I actually are already talking about how to talk, tackle those for tomorrow's show. So again, thank you guys. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.